Hi, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. I'm here today with Angela Watson, creative of the 40-Hour Teacher Workweek, and we are so excited to talk to you today about some time management strategies that will help you reduce stress and stop feeling so overwhelmed and be able to serve your students in a way that is actually sustainable. Angela, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm excited to be talking with you, Linda. And if you guys don't know, Angela is the creator of the 40-Hour Teacher Workweek, and we'll share a little bit more about that with you later. But I want to dive right in to these strategies because I think they're so important. And if you've been around Teach for the Heart long, or if you've listened to Angela for long, um, we've talked about time management in a lot of different ways, but I think we have some really fresh insights and perspectives for you today, especially just with everything that we've gone through and all that we've learned over this past year. And um, I don't know, before we jump into that, Angela, I don't know if you have any like quick thoughts about just, you know, how this last year impacts how you're viewing, you know, productivity. I know we're going to get into some of this, but I know it's just really, we've, it's been hard, but I think we've all really learned a lot from it. And hopefully we can take that into this coming year. I think so too. I mean, this is such a transitional time in education, right? Like we're trying to figure out what do we want to return back to? What were we doing pre-pandemic that was working and that we want to keep? What new things did we try over this past year that we want to integrate? And what do we really want school to look like going forward? I mean, we're not quite to to a post-pandemic world yet, but we're certainly on our way and we're getting closer than we were at this time last year. Right. So (laughs) I think everybody's sort of thinking about like, okay, there was a lot of uncertainty and transition times and just, you know, trying to adapt to something completely different this past year. What, what, what do we want to really carry forward? Uh, Cause I, we, I know we don't want it to be as stressful as last school year was almost every teacher Absolutely. that I know, even the ones who were teaching in person, you know, it was not a normal school year by any stretch of the imagination. It was a lot of extra stress and work and worry, and we don't want to continue that forward. So I think it's, this is such an important time to be talking about boundaries. Yes, absolutely. And yes, like you said, to be able to come into the school year and not just think, well, it'll be better than last year because, you know, things are settling down. But like, no, like we want to put some intentionality into this and create uh, the type of work life balance and culture that that we want to have. Um, And this is a really exciting time. So you mentioned boundaries, and that's actually the first thing that we wanted to talk about. Our first tip is to establish boundaries. Angela, why do you think it's so important to put boundaries around our time? And what might that look like? You know, I feel like teaching is a lot like parenting and that it is a job that's never really done. Mm -hmm. There's always something else you could be doing, right? Like, I don't think any teacher or any parent goes to bed and is like, well, I did everything I could for all my kids today. (laughs) They are at 100% in every area and we are just rocking it. Like, (laughs) there's always something else that you think you could do that would benefit kids. So if you're not really clear on what's important, and what's not important, what you're willing to dedicate time to, what you're not willing to dedicate time to, then you're always going to feel guilty. You're going to always feel like you're not doing enough, or you're somehow letting your students down, or you're not working as hard as you should be. So boundaries really give you a way out. It's deciding with that intentionality that you mentioned, um, being intentional in advance, what you're going to say yes to, what you're going to say no to, 
and understanding that those no's are what free you up to have the time and energy and mental bandwidth to give 100% to those yeses that really matter. So in terms of what that look like looks like, for example, you might decide that you're not going to work after a certain time on evenings or weekends. So you're not going to check email. You're not going to just do this one thing real quick. We all know how that goes, right? Like I'll just hop onto the computer real quick an hour later, <laughs> but, to, but to decide with intentionality, okay, I'm actually not going to do that, or I'm not going to do that on certain days and just totally unplug from work. So even if your administrators expect you to respond to parents during evenings or weekends, which I I personally think they shouldn't. But even if they do, that doesn't mean emailing at 11 p.m. You can tell parents what your availability is and when to expect a response. So don't train people to have 24-7 access to you. Decide how you want to be using your time on the evenings and weekends and set up a boundary that feels fair to you and them. So this is about not just thinking about what's going to work for right now. We have to think about what is sustainable over the long term. So answering email at night might be okay today and it might be okay tomorrow, but every night, all year long, year after year, it takes a toll. So boundary setting is really about counting that cost in advance and deciding what is actually going to work for the life that you're trying to live. Yes. And I mean, if you haven't tried setting boundaries before, it's like, just, man, just try it as an experiment. Right. And I think it, yeah. when we do it, we just realize like, oh, wow, like this is okay. Like it, it actually works out just fine. I think sometimes we just need to give ourselves permission. And it yes. Just, and, and know that it's difference. not forever. Whatever you say you're going to do, like that doesn't have to be your boundary forever. Right. If, if it, it doesn't, doesn't work, work, you can change it. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's an experiment, as you said. But I think the intentionality is just so key. There's the choosing so the choosing ahead of time versus just letting it happen. Because normally when we just let it happen, it doesn't happen the way that we would have picked <laughs> if we chose it ahead of time. So, <laughs> all right. So boundaries is the first thing. If you haven't set some boundaries around, you know, when do you plan to work? When do you not? Um, or, you know, when am I stopping email? How often am I checking email? Those types of things. Um, that's our first tip, set boundaries. We also wanted to talk about um, buffer or margin. Um, Two different people use different words for that. Why do you think it's so important, Angela, to have some margin, some buffer space in our planning? And do you have any tips for that? Yeah, I think a lot of the stress that we feel comes from rushing. We have too Mm. many things that we're trying to do in too short of a time period. So when a child wants to talk about something off topic, or they're sort of like, dawdling and not moving as fast as we want them to, or there's some kind of unexpected interruption, because we're so rushed, that's no longer just this minor inconvenience or this small little deviation, something we can just, you know, indulge a child briefly and move on. It becomes a threat to the schedule. It becomes a threat to the plan, to this precise outline of our day that we feel obligated to follow. And what happens is the plan then becomes more important than the child. And that Mm -hmm. never feels good, you know, as the adult to feel like you're rushing kids all the time and you're not being responsive because you have all these things that you want to do. So obviously as a teacher, there's a lot of stuff, not only that you want to do, but you have to do. Um, So that's where I think this trap can really crop up very easily. But when you build margin into your day, what you're doing is you're allowing some extra space. You're allowing that buffer time where stuff like this can happen and you can still be present with the people you're with and responsive to their needs and their feelings and thoughts and interests. So what that looks like on a practical level means aiming for, let's say, reviewing 10 practice problems instead of 20. 
so that you can go slow, you can go deep in your review of those strategies. It might mean giving kids an extra day to complete a project so that you can provide extra support and make sure they're all successful. If you know when you're planning out a project that this is not going to be enough time for most kids to finish, set them up for success and say, you know what, we'll give them an extra 20 minutes the next day. I already know most of them are going to need that. The ones who don't, this is what we'll do instead. Um, it might mean this buffer time or margin time might mean leaving out one activity from your lesson plan so that you will probably finish a few minutes early and then you can take your time with an exit ticket or a review question or something else at the end instead of rushing kids along and trying to just cram everything in. Yeah. Wow. That's so helpful. You know, when I was thinking buffer margin, I was even thinking of a totally different area, but you're right. Like having it in your day with your students is so valuable. I, I love that so much. I think um, another area we can do buffer and margin is in like our own schedule too. I don't know if you run into this, Angela, but I know I, um, there's so many different ways to plan, but I've been trying to plan like per week and I have such a tendency to jam pack. And this is how I, this is how I do my lesson planning too. Like, I just want to jam pack everything in there, whether it's my schedule that I'm like, I can do all this stuff. And then it's like, well, in a perfect world, maybe I could, but inevitably something's going to come up and then everything feels so stressful. Cause I, you know, I, I missed this one thing and now I have to make it up and I don't have time to make it up because there's no there's no margin. There's no buffer zone. So I love that encouragement to do that in your lesson planning. Um, and I think we also can do that in our own, you know, when I think through, you know, what do I want to get done today? You know, picking an amount that gives space, you know, thinking that if I think this is going to take me one hour plan for it to take an hour and a half, you know, <laughs> so that we have a little bit of space and a little bit of time um, to that. Do you ever, do you do that at all in your planning, Angela? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is something that's important um, in our personal lives, not just in our professional lives. Um, one thing that has really helped is um, just setting the alarm 10 minutes earlier than I think I need to, mm-hmm. so that I don't have to jump immediately out of bed and start going the second I, I need to. Or if I have an appointment, I will schedule it for 20 minutes later than I think, just in case there's traffic or some other kind of delay. I mean, I even think before um, this interview with you, I set an alarm on my phone for 10 minutes before. I used to just set an alarm five minutes before. And sometimes I would forget, you know, that I had the, the Zoom meeting or something, you know, some, some, something that I had to suddenly be at. And then I'd be frazzled and I wouldn't show up in the right headspace for it. So now I set that alarm 10 minutes before and I give myself 10 minutes to like settle down, make sure the microphone is working, my internet's okay, and just kind of sit here and breathe and be present instead of just like trying to fly in by the seat of my pants like I used to. And it makes all the difference in my stress levels and my ability to focus and concentrate and just not feeling rushed. I hate to feel rushed. It just is so stressful when I feel like I'm behind all the time. And when I realized I'm actually in control of most of my schedule, it helped so much with that feeling. Yeah, I love I love that. Just that once again, it's planning, right? It's it's choosing to um, allow extra space, not not mm-hmm. to jam pack every 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 piece of the page as we as as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, so so key. Thank you so much for sharing that. So we've got boundaries, some buffer and margin. And then the next thing we wanted to talk about, you actually literally wrote the book on this, and that is about doing fewer things better. Can you share with us how we should be thinking about this concept? So I think I think most of us, and I think especially women, um, have this, this sort of like cult of productivity that we've been sucked into, where we're judging our worth and our value by how much we get done. Mm-hmm. And so... 
Therefore, resting or self-care or even sleep is seen as a bad thing. It's seen as like a waste of time or you're being lazy. But I think the reality is that our 21st century Western lives are incredibly fast paced. They're demanding and we have so much information to process. I mean, more than humans have at any time in our history. It's such a complex time to be alive and our brains just can't process everything that we're exposed to during the day. And our bodies can't do all of the tasks that we feel like we should be pushing them to do. We have so many more choices and options and things to make decisions about. And it's just, it really can take a toll. So I think we have to focus not on what we could do, but on what we should do. So what are the things that we actually want to spend our time on? What are the things that lead to a fulfilling, meaningful life? What are the activities that contribute to our legacy? What are we building? What kind of world are we trying to shape? And these are deep questions. And and the thing is, I think most people, when they're busy, they don't have time to even think about their life in that way. They're just sort of perpetually in motion. You really have to have space to rest and daydream and imagine and and it plug into the source or God, the creator, the divine, however you want to think about it, tap into this sense of purpose, because you can't hear that still small voice if you are always talking and you're always moving and you're always tending to the mundane. And so as we talked about in the beginning, when we're in this transitional period where we're looking toward a post-pandemic life that's on the horizon, we need to think about what we want to keep from our pandemic routines, what we want to add back to our lives from pre-pandemic times, and what new things we want to begin. Because we can't just go back to the old status quo if we feel like that status quo wasn't really taking us where we're hoping to go. So that to me is what Fewer Things Better looks like right now, is really thinking about Not everything I could be doing, but what should I do? What is the best use of my time and really pouring 100% into those things and not worrying so much about the rest of it? Right. And I just, I know it's been so helpful for me and for so many people that I've talked with just realizing that, you know, when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. And when you try to do everything, you, you can't do your best on everything. It's just impossible. Mm-hmm. So just just realizing that, I think sometimes we just want to fool ourselves. We just think I can. And when we when we realize and we just honest with ourselves and say, I can't, I can't do everything well, that can really help us to say, okay, I'm going to choose the things that are most important. I'm going to pour my energy into them. And then I'm going to look for ways to eliminate or reduce the time I spend on things that aren't as important. And that actually brings us to our last point that we wanted to talk about, which I'm really excited to talk about because this this is going to sound a little bit crazy to some of you guys at first, but Angela and I were talking about this. We're like, we have to talk about this. And it's this. We actually shouldn't be trying to do our best on everything. All right. Can you explain what we mean by this, Angela? Because <laughs> it sounds a little crazy. <laughs> it, it does because we're taught from childhood that if something is worth doing, it's worth doing right. You know, don't do something halfway. Um, But again, I think we live in a different world now. We're living in a world that's becoming increasingly complex and demanding, and there's more information for us to process and sift through all the time. And I think everything that that comes our way, we can't give 100% attention and focus to. We just can't. Some things are going to have to just be released and let go because there's just too much that needs to be done right now. And a lot of the stuff that is coming our way just really doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't matter if your laundry is perfectly folded. 
You know, like mm-hmm. what matters is having clean clothes and being able to access them easily. But maybe don't give 100% to folding clothes. Maybe give 30%. Just get them in the right spot so you can find them. And then use your time to do something that actually does matter and that you do care more about. And so this is just a matter of intentionality. Again, just thinking about what am I doing just because it's the way it's always been done or the way I was taught to do it or just the way that has seemed easiest to me. Maybe there's a different way. Maybe there's a way that I can give less in this area. So I have more time for this other thing. Like I'm thinking about dinners too. You know, if dinner time is always hectic, you've got kids around, you know, maybe make a simpler dinner than what you were planning or thinking about a different approach to your meal prep so that it doesn't take quite so long. And then you can actually be more present with your kids. And I think everybody would like to do that. And it's a matter of really thinking about what's going to work for you and just experimenting with different processes. Just thinking about what do I want to give 100% to? What's more important to me to have you know, this exact recipe done or to have a nice, relaxing, healthy meal with time together with my family and me not being stressed and running around like crazy? Like figuring out what's important and putting your energy into those things. I love that. You're right. It's not a one size fits all, right? What's what's important to someone else with, with a priority? It's, it, we're all going to have different priorities, mm-hmm. but 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 recognizing that and kind of like thinking through it for yourself. You know, I have this um, I have this really like uh, exaggeratory example, but this is real life example of something that is an example of something you should not do your best on. I want I, I wanted to share this. Um, when I was in college. We had a professor, and this was kind. This was I'm dating myself, but my college was also like way back on technology, so it was like <laughs> like 20 <laughs> years behind the times on their technology. But um, we, in my college class, they had us preparing overheads, um, you know, for an overhead projector. And you know, we could you couldn't just prepare the overhead; you had to put it in a frame. Okay, so you had to put it in the frame. And then I remember my teacher saying, "Okay, not only do you have to put it in this frame, but on the back of the frame, you have to take masking tape." And you can't just like slap a piece on all four corners. You need to take the masking tape and cut it and position it so that there is a perfect 90 degree angle on every four (laughs) corners of the back of the frame of the overhead that you're going to show for for like two minutes in your class. No, you're like, die. And I remember this. I remember like being like, this is not right from the beginning. But as time has gone on, I look back more and more and I'm just like, oh my goodness. And and he was saying it's because, you know, your students may never see, but you'll know you did your best. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. no, like those are the types of things. And that's like such an obvious example. But I think it applies in a lot of other areas. Like not everything deserves our best. Some mm-hmm. things deserve the, the bare minimum. Some things deserve, you know, medium effort. And some things do deserve our best. And if we try to make everything perfect, we're not going to have time for those things that really matter most and really deserve our our best effort. So I love that concept. <laughs> yeah, that you know, that's such a great example, Linda. And it just, it, you know, it reminds me of, of someone who was who's in 40 hour who told me recently, like, she gets so stressed out when people talk about like, just doing your best or like knowing that you've done your best. Because she's like, I'm type A, I'm a perfectionist. So mm-hmm. my best is like, you know, two hours more work than everybody else's best. <laughs> my standards are so high for myself that just doing my best is really hard. And I think some of the people who really struggle with this, um, you know, about not having to do your best on everything are people like that, where, you know, your yeah. 100% would probably be everyone else's 150%. So if you're giving 80%, no one's going to know the difference, but you, like it really doesn't matter to anyone else. 
Yeah. And I think once again, just giving, I hope this, you guys that are listening, this is giving you a little bit of permission to just realize like, oh, wow, like not everything has to be perfect. This, we're not talking about slacking. I think, I think you get that. Like we're not talking about not serving your students, but just recognizing that we can't do everything perfectly. And so choosing where to spend that effort and spending it on the things that are actually going to move the needle versus the things that literally no one but you would even notice. Yep. If you decided to skip and just slap the slap the um, overhead in the frame or just don't use a frame at all <laughs> or get a smart board. <laughs> well, Angela, you just talked a little bit about the 40-hour teacher work week, which we definitely wanted to share. I think you're currently accepting new members. Can you share? I know a lot of people know about the club, but can you share a little bit about it for those that aren't familiar and then maybe share us an update? Because I know you have some really exciting new things this year as well. Yeah, we do. So 40 hours of program that we offer each summer. And we've been doing that since 2015. So this is actually, um, I know, I can't believe it's been that much time. And Linda, (laughs) you've been with me since the very beginning. You know, you helped me brainstorm this and and bring it to fruition, which is so exciting. It's so awesome to have uh, your support and your partnership in this. But we've now had 42,000 teachers go through the program. Wow. So um, it's it's really helped a lot of people. And it, what it, what's different about it is that it's designed to give you ongoing support because it's really easy to just read a book or listen to a podcast or, you know, just get this resource that's supposed to help you. And then you read about it. You're like, that's great. You change one thing and you forget about it. Mm-hmm. So what we're trying to do is offer support all throughout the year. So there's, um, you know, back to school resources in July. And then we start talking about streamlining lesson planning and then streamlining grading. And we sort of support teachers through each season of the school year. So you have you know, you have different needs at different times and you get to practice these habits and these mindset shifts slowly over time. So it's not this big, massive change. It's just small tweaks to your process over the course of a year. And it really makes such a big difference. Um, We found that the typical teacher who joins saves 11 hours a week. So when they join, they're usually working around 62, 63, I think is is our average. Um, and then by the time they're done, um, they've they've trimmed 11 hours off of that work week. And so it is it is a significant amount of time to save. And I think the best part is that it's what you were just saying. It's about letting go of those things that really don't move the needle for kids. The things that are really just sort of busy work or, you know, just the way we've always done things that isn't really helping anybody. Um, and focusing our attention more on the things that really make a difference for kids. And that is a process. It's not a, a black and white list, do this, don't do this. It, it is a, a set of individual priorities based on your personality, your school, your students' needs. And what I think is so great about 40 Hours is that you have that community of teachers to bounce ideas off of and kind of collaborate together. So uh, we are very excited to be offering two new programs to go with that this summer that I think will help a lot. The one is 40-hour leadership, which is for administrators, and the other is 40-hour instructional coaching. So my vision is to start shifting expectations for teachers on a school-wide basis and really shift school culture to focus more on well-being and productivity um, so that we're not just, you know, cutting down meetings so that we can have teachers join another committee, but we're cutting down on meetings and reducing email and extraneous things like that so that teachers can actually have time to take care of themselves, their families, and their health and show up to be their best for kids each day. So those are two new programs this summer that I think will help everyone in the school get on the same page, have a shared vision, a shared vocabulary. And I think that is going to be so powerful. I just can't wait to see the results that come out of those schools. 
Yeah, I'm so excited for that too. So just for those of you listening, those of you that are listening, um, to, to be clear, there's the main program is for teachers. If you're a classroom mm-hmm. teacher, that's for you. And then, but if you're if you're in school leadership or an instructional coach, there's now a program for you as well. So definitely check that out. And I I'm so excited, like you said, to see what happens when schools get on board and the whole staff mm-hmm. together is is working through this and and incorporating it into the school culture. It's going to be going to be absolutely amazing. And for those of you that are um, either never heard of 40 hour or have thought about it, but haven't joined before, I will just say, if you've been listening to this episode and you've thought, man, like these principles, like this makes sense, but I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Like, I don't know how to, how do I pick which things to do or, or I know I want to let go of stuff, but I literally don't know how to function my classroom. If I don't do everything that I'm doing, that's exactly what Angela does in 40 hours. She walks you through each thing one by one so that it's not overwhelming. And it's just, you deal with one thing at a time throughout the year. And like she said, all that support and help, it's really just a tremendous program I've had so many people from Teach for the Heart go through it and say, this is absolutely amazing. I've been part of it from the beginning and it's, it is the real deal. Check out the reviews. You can check out the reviews for yourself and all the infos at teachfortheheart.com slash 40 hour teacher. Well, Angela, thank you so much. Do you have any kind of last words of advice for us before we finish up today? You know, if I had one message that I wanted to give uh, anyone listening right now, it is um, take some time to rest the summer. Yeah. Um, take some yeah. time to regroup, to recover. When you start to feel like you're being lazy because you're not doing enough, remind yourself of everything you've been doing for the past year and a half yes. <laughs> and give yourself that time to recuperate. Know that rest is not the opposite of productivity. It is the catalyst for it. It is what enables you to wake up the next day and have more energy to do the things that matter. So really fight against that narrative that that rest or taking it easy or just being still and present is somehow a waste of time. I think it's one of the most powerful things you could do. And I think you deserve that that time and space and mental bandwidth this summer. So I really encourage everyone listening to find a way to, to make that work for their lives. I love that. That's such a great piece of advice to end on. Well, thank you again so much, Angela. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Linda. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Angela. Once again, the link to find out everything about the 40-Hour Teacher Workweek is at teachfortheheart.com slash 40-Hour Teacher. That's our affiliate link. So if you join after clicking that link, um, we get a small commission at no cost to you. So thanks so much for supporting Teach for the Heart in that way if you do decide to join. Once again, the link is teachfortheheart.com slash 40-Hour Teacher. And enrollment will be open through the middle of July. If you'd like any of the notes for this episode, you can get them at teachfortheheart.com slash 170, teachfortheheart.com slash 170. You can go there to check out the notes in this episode or to share it with others. Let's take a few moments to pray before we go. Father, thank you so much for Angela and that she was able to come on and share her insight and wisdom with us. Thank you that you are a God of rest and work. There's so much value in both of those and you are the perfect combination. And I pray that you will help us to see in our lives where we're off balance, where we've pushed to too much rest or too much work and to help each of us see um, and make corrections there. Show us where we can apply these principles in our own lives and just guide us into your truth, Father. Please give teachers a restful and refreshing summer and insight into how to um, conduct themselves and prepare um, for the coming school year. We thank you so much for your great goodness to us. In your son Jesus' name, amen. 
Once again, all the notes and links are at teachfortheheart.com slash 170, and you can find out about the 40-hour teacher work week and check out reviews from teachers just like you at teachfortheheart.com slash 40hourteacher. Thank you so much. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, keep growing, keep trusting. You really are making a difference.